teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe Petting teaches from the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. Amen. 2 Peter, chapter 3, just as a way of reminder, obviously we know that the apostle Peter wrote this epistle. Peter, as you recall, he was a fisherman. He was the one that denied knowing the Lord, and then the Lord recommissioned him back into ministry. Don't you love that story? How the Lord met with him and, and recommissioned him and told him to, you love my sheep, tend my lambs, go back. And I love when the Lord recommissions us. So uh, Peter was recommissioned and he went back out and he, he was used powerfully. As we know the story at the day of Pentecost, thousands came to know Jesus Christ through his message as he, as he preached the gospel. That's who wrote this. Uh, he wrote this... Uh, for those of you, the, of you that take notes, it's believed AD 67, around that time, uh, approximately three years after he wrote uh, the first letter, 1 Peter. If you remember, 1 uh, Peter was written to the persecuted church, those that were suffering, and he was writing to them to encourage them to keep, you know, to be hopeful and that, you know, God's with them and, and to encourage them in the midst of their suffering. And if you recall, before we get started here, uh, this letter is, was written to warn the believers of false teachers because false teachers were, were there during that time, you know, twisting scriptures and, and lying to the people and deceiving them. And, and just kind of, you know, as we've been looking at, they were, they were there, you know, fleecing the flock, you know, taking monies and all this kind of stuff, but they weren't feeding the flock. And so the warning, but also... Before we get into this, uh, the first verse here, this letter was written to remind these believers, but also us, that we're to grow in our faith. We're to grow spiritually. You know, we're not to stay the same way that we were. We're to grow. And that's what I believe, I, and I'm hoping that that's why every one of us are here tonight, right? We're here to, to grow in the word. There's no better way to grow spiritually but to, to sit down and, and to study the word of God, to sit down and hear the word of God. So this is the, the purpose for the letter. So with that being said, let's pick up uh, all of chapter two, basically is talking about false teachers and their judgment that's going to come and all that. So we now pick up in verse one of chapter three and the apostle Peter writes, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle and both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. False teachings going on, as I just mentioned. As a good shepherd, the apostle Peter was, you know, loving those that he's writing to and reminding them that, you know, hang on to the word of God. 
Hang on to the teachings of the Old Testament, the, the prophets of old. Hang on to you know, the apostles' teachings and don't, don't fall prey to lies from the false teachers. And I, I just, I hear his heart here. He's, you know, he says, you have pure minds. You know, you, you, you know, stir up those minds, but don't you know, be mindful of the words that were spoken to you, the, the, the word of God. And, and it's so important for us as, we, as the word's going out that we check it out. And I, I've said this before, and, I, and I'll continue to say, don't believe everything I tell you up here. And that's a, a good thing. You know, study to show yourself approved. Ch- you know, check out the scriptures. Make sure, you know, that, that what we're saying from this pulpit and what you're being taught from any pastor, from the radio, from television, to make sure that it's in context, that it's, it's exactly, you know, it's in context of what God's word is trying to say. Beware. So he's saying, you know, don't, be mindful of the, what the holy prophets said, what the, the apostles are teaching, what he's teaching. You know, you know, be mindful, you know, stay in the word. That's a reminder for us, stay in the word. And I want to challenge, you know, everyone here, do you have a daily time in the word of God? And I, I hope all of us say, yes, I do. And that's how we should, you know, we're to be fed daily the word of God. We're to spend time in the mornings or in the afternoon at night. We're to, to stay in the word. Jesus said when he was praying in John chapter 17, he was praying to the father. That's the true Lord's prayer. As Jesus was praying to the father in, in John chapter 17, he, there's one thing he said that I, I'd love where he, he said that sanctify them. He's talking to God, the father. He says, sanctify them by your truth. And then he said, your word is truth. Sanctify them by your word, by your truth. And this is what helps to sanctify us, sets us apart. This is what, you know, God's truth, God's word, this word is truth. And it helps us so much to, to, you know, to combat the lies that come our way. The world is in opposition of the word of God. Did you, do you know that as a believer? They're, they're opposing the word and on every level. They're, they're attacking the word of God. And we need to stay in the word. And we need to you know, allow the truth of the word to shape us and, and you know, form us you know, in, in our mind, transforming our minds. As Paul the Apostle said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is that good, perfect, acceptable will of God, that we might prove that our very lives will prove God's will because it's his word that's transforming our thoughts. So, so here we go. The, he's warning them, you know, to stir up that pure mind and, by, and, and to be mindful of the words of God by the prophets that, that spoke and the apostles. Knowing this verse, verse three, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So scoffers, there's going to be scoffers that if you take note, real basic, it means mockers. There's going to be mockers in the last days. We don't have mockers today, do we? (laughs) Do you think we're living in the last days? Yes. Mockers, scoffers, those that, you know, they say, where is the you know, promise of his coming? They, again, attack the word of God. You've been saying that, oh, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Oh, you know, Jesus never came. He's not coming. And they, they mock that. 
They mock the word of God. They, they mock the things of the Lord. They don't believe in the, the Bible. They don't, you know, they scoff. And we have to be strong. We have to stand up. But, you know, we know this first. Scoffers will come in the last days, walking about with their old lust, saying, where is the promise of, you know, when is Jesus coming? And they, they're, they're, they mock the fact that, that Jesus is coming. They don't believe it. Mockers. I believe, you know, as time is getting closer and closer to Jesus's return, you know, it seems like people are getting more and more vile when it comes to, to Jesus Christ. They're, they're, you know, just, they're, they hate the things of God, the things that they stand for, you know, anything. It, it's like the world will accept anything at all except Jesus Christ. We can talk about anything we want, but do not use the J word, right? Don't talk about Jesus. Talk about anything you want. And it's sad, even with family. I, I saw it with my own family where, where we can talk about anything. My family would, you know, would love me, do anything for me. But when I use the J word, it's like, get out. Don't use that. Don't talk about that. Don't, you know, and it was almost like talking about Jesus is hate speech. Your neighbors, a lot of times, you know, people that, you know, in your workplace, people around us, you know, we, we start talking about Jesus and they, they, they get upset. They mock, they scoff. It's so funny. I, Ch- Chad just told me that um, there's a homeless guy, I guess, in the, the local neighborhood here. And he was telling me that his roommate, which is here, here's Grant, but uh, this is secondhand, but basically the, the, this homeless guy was saying something like, you know, he's talking to himself. Is that right, Grant? And he was saying, I hate Calvary Chapel, right? Is that what he said? I hate Calvary Chapel. I hate those signs of Calvary Chapel. And I, I, I think of that. I'm like, to me, it's, it's, it's a strange thing. But, you know, when, when people are rebelling against God, typically they hate the things of God. And they, you know, and those, they mock and it's like, you know, it's funny, but when I hear that, it should, it saddens me that he, he's in that place, but it's like the enemy hates the things of God and they mock the things of God. So can you imagine? He's like, I hate Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. I hate those, do you say signs too? Something like that? I don't care for those signs either. Wow. Amazing. And when we shine as bright lights, when we're just, you know, doing our best to preach the gospel and teach the word of God, the enemy comes out in different ways. The mocking. Jude tells us in Jude, you know, Jude verse 17, it says, but you beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, the apostles how they told you that there would be mockers in the last times who would walk according to their own lusts or ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So even Jude mentioned a few years later that, you know, there's going to be mockers in the last times, in the last days, they're going to be around. So here, the warning, and he goes on in verse five, back in our text, it says, for this, they willingly forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old 
and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. This they willingly forget. It can also be translated, they, they willfully ignore or willfully are ignorant. In other words, they, they willfully don't want to believe the facts that the earth was formed, that God created the earth. They, they willfully, they don't want to believe it. They, they willfully you know, don't want to believe that there was a flood. I believe you know, if you look at the evidence, there's so much evidence of a universal flood. There's facts. There's, there's so much. You, you know, even other cultures, they write about a universal flood. And, but they, they willfully, in other words, they don't want to believe that. There's great evidence of intelligent design. You know, you, you think about it. Even the scientists today, they're scratching their head because, you know, a, a single cell has, has information programmed in the cell. Now, they're scratching their head. The greatest scientists today are scratching their head when you ask them the question, where does that intelligence come from? Where, where does that information come from that's inside of the cell? The information that's inside of DNA, where, where does that information come from? And they, they don't have an answer. I heard, you know, one of them, were, they were saying that, oh, probably aliens programmed that in there. Because now they, they, they have to admit there's intelligent design. But they still don't believe anything except that there's a God that created us. There's a God that created this earth. There's creation. There's, you know, they, they do not want, they willfully do not want to believe that because if they believe that, they're going to be accountable to that God that created them, right? So it's so much easier just deny. They'll, they'll, take, they'll try to believe anything. They, like I mentioned, even aliens, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll toy with that and think about that as long as it's not God. Creation itself, you, you know, you think about creation and how it screams to us intelligent design, doesn't it? I was thinking through this when I was writing these notes. I was thinking of even the flowers, how beautiful the flowers are. You think, you know, that's a design. When there's a design, there's a designer. That's pretty basic. A creator, one who created my wife and I went on a walk the other day. We were walking in the front yard of this one house. There was no grass. The whole front yard was a, was a rose garden. And my wife, and I love roses too. So we're just, we're, we were in awe. We were standing there looking at all these different types of roses, different heights, different size, different you know, colors and all. And they're just so beautiful. And, it, and to me, you know, it's just like, I, I look at it and think, what a great designer our God is. It was so nice. We stopped to smell the roses. It was great. <laughs> At least she did. I was afraid you know, I'd start sneezing or something. So. Design. They don't want to believe. They willfully forget. They willfully don't want to know because then they would be accountable. So know this, that they're going to, you know, they willfully forget these things. They don't want to believe. But the heavens, or verse 7, and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Perdition, that word means destruction for ungodly men. The heavens of the earth are preserved now by God's word. God created the world by his word. He spoke the world into existence. He, he spoke uh, you know, the earth into existence. He spoke everything into existence by his word, but also by his word, they're being preserved. 
He allowed the flood, but now the, the earth's being preserved, but it's being preserved and reserved actually for fire. I was thinking about all this, you know, the fire and, you know, the, the judgment that came during Noah's time was the, the judgment with water. He flooded the earth. He, he destroyed man. Man was wicked continually. Their thoughts were corrupt. And so God brought judgment and he, and he didn't just bring judgment. He allowed Noah, he was called a, a preacher of righteousness. You know, he tried to preach to the people to tell them about God and God's going to bring a flood and the warning was going out, but no one wanted to hear the warning. So God allowed, it, allowed the flood to come and to bring judgment. And it's a warning for, for mankind today that God will judge again. But as you know that he made a promise not to judge with water, not to, to punish with water, but now he's going to bring fire. And did you know that, you know, first off, I believe the first judgment of fire is going to be during the time of tribulation. We're told in Revelation 16, 8, how, you know, fire is going to come to judge men when God's wrath is going to be poured out on a Christ-rejected world. I just want to make this very clear. Nobody wants to be here during the time of tribulation. And I don't know what your eschatology is, what you believe regarding last days, if you're, you know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, but I want to tell you something. You do not want to be here. I believe that we will be raptured before the great tribulation period. That's what I believe. And I know there's people that don't believe the same and we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. But I believe the rapture is going to take place. But what's going to happen, God is going to pour out wrath on this earth. And if, you know, the, the ones that don't believe, the ones that reject God, they will, you know, suffer judgment. They will be here. And one of the things in Revelation 16, 8, I'm going to read it to you. It says, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. So a judgment's going to come. Part of that judgment is going to take place during the time of tribulation, and fire is going to be poured out from the sun. The sun's going to scorch people, and, and it's going to torment people. But then when Jesus Christ returns to the earth, the false prophet, Satan, the the unbelievers, those that are not written in the book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire. So there's going to be a judgment of fire. So the earth itself. But the other thing that before we get into the next verse, not only are the people going to be destroyed with fire, but evidently the earth itself is going to be burned up with fire. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. That's what it tells us in verse 10. It's going to be destroyed by fire. You don't want to be here, guys. I don't know about, you know, I don't want to be here. So, verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Does that blow your mind or what? Think of a thousand years. Think of a hundred years. Try this. Think of, you know, go back a hundred years. Go back 200 years. Go back 300 years in history. Go back 400 years, 500 years, 600 years, seven, eight, 900 years. I mean, to us, it seems like, wow, you know, think back what was happening way back then. And then, you know, but to God, it was like yesterday. A day is, is a thousand years. God is outside of time. 
And a thousand years goes by just like, like nothing for him. He's, he's outside of time. He, he's, he's all knowing. He sees everything. And that just blows my mind. So a thousand years is a day. Is a, a day is like a thousand years. So God, in, you know, being outside of time. In other words, we're gonna, you know, as we're going to see, you know, God's patient. We pray, Lord, come back tomorrow. Come back tonight. Lord, please rapture the church now. We're to pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done every day. You're in our prayers, our daily prayer, you know, thy kingdom come, Lord, come back. And I pray that just about every day. I pray that I pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Come and take the church, take us, Lord. May I be found worthy to escape the wrath that'll come on the earth. And I, I, you know, rapture us, Lord, take us out of here. But God is so patient. And it tells us why in the next verse, it says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason why God is waiting so long is because he does not want any to perish. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He doesn't want anyone to, you know, to, to perish and, and die. He wants everyone to come to He wants everyone to be saved. I remember, you know, many predicted that Jesus Christ was going to come back in 1988. Do you remember that? Remember hearing that? There was a book out even, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Well, how many of you here would have, were saved in 1988 by that time? How many? Just show of hands. Wow. 1988, you were already saved. How many were saved after 1988? Were you guys happy that Jesus didn't come back in 1988? <laughs> About half of us, you know, we went to bend here. We had been left behind. If Jesus Christ came back in 1988, we'd be left behind. God is not slack concerning his promises. He's not willing that any shall perish. When the rapture takes place, those that are saved need to die for their faith. They need to be beheaded for their faith. You know, I have, I have a relative that, that told me that he thinks he can make it through the tribulation period, basically. I was like, what? He says, oh yeah, my family's not saved. I'm going to go, you know, try to save them and to minister to them. And I'm going to do my own thing. But, you know, even if I go through the, through the tribulation period, that's okay. I understand it now, you know, so I'll get beheaded. I'll die. And I'm, I'm thinking, no, you don't want to do that. I mean, what kind of thinking is that? If you can't live for Jesus Christ today, how do you think you're going to be able to die for him during that time of tribulation? During that time, don't you know, mistake in this. There's going to be a great deception during the time of tribulation. There's going to be some kind of great deception that's going to take place that, that will deceive many. And many are going to be deceived. And you know, how in the world... Do you think you can make it through that time? I, I hope there's nobody here that thinks that they can make it through the time of tribulation. Or you, well, well, I'm just going to take my chances. You don't want to be here during tr that tribulation time. God is not slack, though. He's long-suffering towards us. He's not willing that any here should perish. Anybody should perish. Isn't that, you know, you think of the love that God has. He's like a loving daddy, a loving father. He doesn't want anyone to, to suffer that punishment of torment for eternity. Nobody. 
But it's our job. It's our, you know, we're called to, to make sure people understand that, that they know how to be saved. So the Lord's not slack concerning his promises. He's not willing that any should perish. He's long suffering. He's patient. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. The day of the Lord. God's going to come, take his church, and he's going to pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejected world. The throne of mercy It's the sound of our It's the sound of our Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our 